do welcome everyone to our service this evening, trusting the Lord's blessing uh, to be upon us as we gather together in his name. We're going to turn to the words of the hymn 637, 637. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar, for the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. 637, and we'll stand as we worship, please. be seated. Going to turn in the Word of God to the Psalm 51. Uh, the Psalm 51. The title says, The Chief Musician, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Uh, David here has committed sin. Uh, the prophet of the Lord, which we can read in the scriptural account, uh, came and rebuked him for his sin, and we have David's uh, prayer of penitence. And uh, we read in verse 1 Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, 
that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was sheep and in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his precious word this evening. And this psalm reminds us that we were born in iniquity, that those iniquities, those transgressions uh, can be washed away, can be cleansed uh, by the Lord. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And let us rejoice as the people of God uh, that though we are sinners, we are sinners that have been washed and cleansed by the precious blood of the Savior. And let us pray, let us seek the Lord as we come and as we meet with him this evening, rejoicing that he has washed us and that he has cleansed us from our sin. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee tonight for thy gospel, the gospel of thy Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died upon Calvary, who died, as the Word of God says, for our sins. And Father, tonight we realize our sin. We realize our iniquities. And we pray that as thy people, that thou would be pleased to convict us of this sin, that we may mortify the deeds of the flesh. We may put to death those sins that can so easily beset us. And Father, we pray that we would have thy help in conquering that sin that can enter into our lives and take our eyes off thee. And Father, we do pray for those who are yet in their sins and those who have not experienced repentance, those who have not experienced the cleansing power of the precious blood of the Lamb. Father, tonight we beseech thee that thou would move in their hearts and thou would convict them of sin Thy Spirit would work within them, drawing them to the Savior. We rejoice that salvation is of Thee. Uh, we thank Thee for the gospel. And uh, we thank Thee that tonight we can come and preach the gospel. And uh, we thank Thee that as a church, a church of Christ, we can set forth the gospel. And knowing that we did not design it, uh, we uh, did not originate it, but it is Thy gospel as contained in Thy Word. And Father, Thou hast said for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. May we have a high view of preaching. And that high view of preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight as we consider the gospel, bless it to us. And we pray, Father, that we as Thy people would grow more and more in our knowledge of the gospel. And that we can raise our thanksgiving unto thee and glorify thee for what thou hast done for us. We pray, Father, for those who are in their sins that by thy grace they would see the Savior and they would rejoice in him as their Savior. Move tonight, we pray. Bless thy word to every heart. Father, we do remember those who are in need. We think, Father, of our brother Vern again this evening. Bless him, we pray. 
undertake uh, for his needs. We think of the family as well and Curry, and uh, we ask that thou would be pleased to uh, give that strength, that help, uh, and uh, keep thy hand upon them for good, we pray. Uh, we do remember Calvin Gulliger and uh, the need there, and we uh, pray, Father, that uh, thou would continue to give help and strength and uh, place thy hand of comfort uh, upon our brother, upon his wife and family, and the wider family circle. Give that grace uh, to help, we pray. And Father, in all our needs, may we look to thee, rejoicing that thou art our helper, uh, that thou art our hiding place. And Father, tonight, as we meet together, we do remember our denomination. Uh, we thank thee for our sister churches. We do remember the works here in British Columbia. And uh, we think of Williams Lake. And we pray that thou would bless thy word as it goes forth there. Uh, we remember Prince George and uh, Penticton. We think of Calgary and uh, the need for a pastor there. Remember Toronto and Fredericton. Remember Barry and Port Hope, Father. We pray thou would bless these Canadian works uh, that are our sister churches. Bless them. Bless in the preaching of thy word, in their witness for uh, the kingdom of God. And may they grow from strength to strength. Father, we pray uh, that thou would revive this land afresh, uh, that thou would stir up our hearts as we have considered the last uh, Lord's Day and today to pray evangelistically, uh, to pray for souls, to pray for all men, uh, to pray, O oh God, for those who are our rulers and those in authority over us, that we would pray that they would experience the power of Christ and his gospel. Uh, give us that burden to pray. Uh, Father, may we not uh, leave this uh, burden, this duty to others, but may we all partake in it uh, to the glory of thy name. May we pray uh, for our sister churches. May we pray for our mission works, uh, that as uh, they seek to reach out into communities darkened by paganism, darkened by false religion, that thou would give that grace and that help as thy truth is proclaimed. Uh, Father, tonight we pray that thou would be with us, that thou would bless us, close us in with thyself. Uh, we pray that thou would be with us, teach us thy word, that we would be good soldiers of Christ, that we would be uh, powerful witnesses of the Savior, and that we would not be ashamed of thy gospel, but that we would be equipped uh, to tell others of Christ. Equip us, we pray. Uh, give us that zeal and that burden to spread the gospel of Christ, to sound forth the gospel of the grace of God, and that wondrous gospel, that glorious gospel, and that can save precious souls. And Father, may we rest upon thee tonight, may we rest upon thy spirit, may we know his presence here, his help, his power, and may we rejoice in all that thou wilt do. And we pray for Christ's sake, Amen. Amen. Going to turn again in our hymnals, 247. 247, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 247, we'll stand again as we sing, please.
seated. Uh, we're turning in the scriptures this evening, uh, first of all, to John's Gospel, uh, chapter 3, uh, the Gospel of John, and uh, chapter 3. I think the bulletin should say John 3, 14 to 21, not John 14 uh, to 21. Uh, we're not going to read uh, those chapters this evening. Uh, but we encourage you to go and read those chapters yourself. Uh, but there's supposed to be a three in there. And we'll read from John's Gospel, chapter 3, and from the verse uh, 14. And the Savior is speaking to Nicodemus, and the Word of God says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, ever, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, and neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Amen. And may the Lord bless uh, the reading of his truth this evening. Uh, may he bless it for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. At this point in our service, can we extend a word of welcome to each one and to those watching online, trusting the Lord would be with us as we gather around his word tonight. Do remember on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. we have our Bible study and prayer meeting downstairs in the prayer room. We also meet on Zoom as well. 
And so if you're not on the email list for the Zoom link that is sent out on Wednesday morning, then uh, please uh, contact myself. Next Lord's Day, 9.30 a.m., we have the Sunday school for uh, the children and then the adult Sunday school for the adults here in the main part of our building. At 10.30 a.m., we have morning worship. At 5.30, we have our prayer meeting before our evening service at 6 p.m. So do remember these services do plan to attend. Uh, next Lord's Day evening, uh, we have our uh, time uh, of fellowship together. And we're meeting and having food and fellowships. So do remember that. And I did not put it in the bulletin, uh, but it will uh, be mentioned uh, during the week and in the newsletter that we send out uh, before uh, next weekend or before the services uh, next weekend. So do remember that fellowship time next Sunday evening. And next Lord's Day marks uh, the anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther kneeling his 95 Theses to the Church Door at Wittenberg, and we will uh, be using next Lord's Day to preach on themes relating uh, to the Reformation, and at the adult Bible class we will commence a study in church history. Uh, we're not going to deal with the Reformation just yet. Uh, we, have, uh, we have maybe 1,500 years of history to get to first, um, but uh, we will be commencing that study at the adult Sunday School. It's good to know history. It's good to know church history and to know uh, how God has blessed his church, how God has used his church, how God uh, has used men within his church, but also how Satan has attempted to destroy the church and how uh, the Lord has preserved his people. There's much to learn uh, regarding history and then connected to that theology and historical theology, which is uh, looking at how doctrines developed and looking at the history of the truths that we believe as well. So it will be a very full study, and uh, not next Lord's Day. We'll only consider an introduction. Uh, but as time develops, uh, we'll learn more and more about the history of the church. So we encourage you to come and uh, to uh, spend time with us next Sunday morning at 930 AM. We have finished our adult Bible or our adult Sunday school uh, class regarding baptism and membership. So if you are interested in baptism and or membership, uh, then uh, please uh, speak uh, to myself. Toronto Free Presbyterian Church have their online women's Bible study. It starts on Tuesday the 31st of October at 4 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, the details are there in the bulletin. If you uh, want the login details, you can email the Toronto Church or you can speak to our sister Susan, who can give you the details for that uh, study. But ladies, if you are free and available and able to listen in and join that, uh, then uh, those in Toronto would be glad and happy uh, to see you along. Uh, can I express my thanks? I forgot to mention this this morning. Can I express our thanks to those men yesterday who, after the men's breakfast, uh, helped out uh, clearing leaves and uh, various other things around the church building? Uh, I looked this morning and there were a few leaves. Uh, those leaves were not there yesterday. They were, had been removed, uh, but some had fallen. I was hoping that this morning... Uh, the church would not look uh, like we did nothing at all. Uh, but I think it looked like we did something, and uh, it looks good. We thank the men for their labors 
uh, for their hard work, and uh, we trust the Lord's blessing upon that work. And there'll be more to come uh, because there's more leaves to fall. And so in due course, uh, we will gather again as men to clear uh, those leaves, etc. And so we thank the men for that. And we're going to turn in our hymnals, the hymn 364, uh, 364. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. 364 will remain seated while their tithes are received for the Lord's work, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings to us as a church. We thank you, Lord, for these tithes and this offering may it be used for the glory of your name and for the use of uh, the church's needs. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to bless families here in this church and uh, all those who are willing to uh, extend the uh, support for this ministry. We love you, Lord, because you loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to stand to sing verse 3, verse 3 of 364, Then I bid farewell to the way of the world. Standing as we sing.
may be seated. We're turning again in the Scriptures to Numbers chapter 21, the book of Numbers, one of the books of Moses, chapter 21. And we'll read from verse number 4. Numbers chapter 21 and the verse 4, the Word of God says, speaking of the children of Israel, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt? to die in the wilderness. For there is no bread, neither is there water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee, I pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Amen. And we'll turn back to John's Gospel, chapter 3, and the verse number 14 and 15. And we read again there, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word tonight. Let us unite together in prayer and let us seek the blessing of the Lord as we come and consider his precious word uh, to our souls uh, tonight. Let us pray. Our eternal God and Father in heaven, we thank thee tonight for thy word. We rejoice in it. We rejoice in these pictures that we have the Old Testament scriptures that point to the Lord Jesus Christ, that point to him who is life eternal, point to him who is the blessed Savior of sinners. And tonight, Father, as we consider this subject, and we consider this serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness, may we see the Savior, the one who was lifted up for us, the one who died for our sins, that we might have eternal life. Father, speak to us through thy word. Challenge us, thy children. May we rejoice in the God of our salvation. Father, challenge those outside of the kingdom of God, those perhaps who have become cold at heart. And we pray that as we consider and the greatness of thy salvation, that thou would thrill their hearts afresh. Draw them back again to the Savior, and may they rejoice in their first love. Father, come tonight, we pray, 
Minister to our needs through thy precious word and glorify thy name. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Children of Israel, having left Egypt and finding themselves in the wilderness, often complained about that particular experience. They lost sight often of what the Lord had done for them in Egypt, what the Lord had done at the Red Sea and on other occasions. They lost sight of the sovereignty of God in their situation, that God himself was in control. They were guided by that pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, but yet they complained and they became discouraged in the way. And such a scene is set before us in Numbers chapter 21. Uh, we find that the children of Israel uh, complained against the Lord. But we find this complaining taking place after the opening events of this chapter. The Canaanites, which dwell in the south, verse 1 heard of Israel and they came and fought against Israel and took them prisoners and they cried unto the Lord and vowed a vow and the Lord heard them and the Lord delivered up the Canaanites and destroyed them and their cities and so I want you to understand what is taking place in chapter 21 there were those who came against the people of God and took them prisoner and fought against them and had we could say something of a victory over them and they looked to the Lord and they vowed a vow uh, that the Lord would deliver them and they would destroy their cities. And the Lord came and delivered them and helped them and freed his people. And then they journeyed again, continuing their journey to the land that God had promised to them. And what happened? Verse 4, the very next verse, God delivered and then they were discouraged in the way they were discouraged in the way dear believer there's a lesson for us we can often be discouraged in the way we can often be discouraged when we find hardship and difficulty in life and you may say well the children of Israel They had their pillar of cloud. They had their pillar of fire. They saw the victories of God with their own eyes. They were still discouraged. And how easy it is then for us to be discouraged. We have God's truth with the word of God. That is why the scriptures are so important to our lives as believers. Because God's truth is there revealed by him for us and for our good. And we are to stay close to the word of God. And as we read the scriptures, as we study the scriptures, as we pray over the scriptures, it helps our discouraged hearts. It helps us if we are discouraged in the way. The children of Israel, they were discouraged. And what did they do? They cried against God. And they spake against God, verse 5, and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And as a result, the Lord came and he judged his people. As a result, he sent fiery serpents among the people. And these serpents bit the people of God. And 
the scripture tells us much people of Israel die. This is a horrific, hor an horrific thing that we see. Imagine serpents and snakes coming into this building tonight. Poisonous snakes coming into this building tonight. What would our reaction be? To get out of here as fast as we could. I think I would be almost trampling over people to get out. I lived in Australia for a while and as snakes are not something that I want to come face to face with. I remember on an occasion, uh, one uh, person drove over a dead snake in the National Park. They brought that snake uh, as a gift to me. Uh, it was in a cloth, and they put the cloth down on my stove and opened the cloth, and there was the snake. And I was, I was not happy. I was not happy. And then later on, they thought it was funny to throw the snake at me. And so uh, they played on my fear of snakes. But we can imagine the scene. Snakes coming in. Not a friendly snake, but snakes that had poison. Snakes that would kill. Snakes that did kill. And around the people of God, there were those who were dying. And they came and they realized what they had done. And they said to Moses, verse 7, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. They knew their sin. They knew this was a result of their sin. And they cried that the Lord would deliver them. And so this pole was set up, the serpent of brass, that whoever looked upon it would live. And we have a wonderful picture here of the Lord Jesus Christ. This brazen serpent was lifted up above the camp of Israel. It symbolized healing and deliverance. And that serpent was revered by Israel. In 1 Kings 18, we have a record of it. And it was actually being worshipped. It speaks of King Hezekiah. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses hath, had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. It was worshipped. But this brazen serpent was not the deliverer God was. This brazen serpent was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is made evident if we move to John's Gospel, chapter 3. We see that in verse 14, the Savior is speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus had asked in verse 9, how can these things be? And the Savior explains to him that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Nicodemus, you know about this. You know your history. You're a Pharisee. You're learned in the Word of God. You're learned in the ways and the customs and the history of the people of God. You know what is being mentioned here. Moses lifting up the serpent. He knew that account. And the Savior says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What is the Savior teaching Nicodemus? That that brazen serpent that men had to look to, that the children of Israel had to look to, to be saved. Look and live. So the Son of Man would be lifted up. And the same thing applied. The serpent being lifted up was a type of Christ. The one to whom they must look to if they are to live. The one who has eternal life. The Savior is the great source of healing for his people. And this is a wonderful thing. 
a wonderful thing. The new birth can take place because the Savior was lifted up. And so we see this great picture of what happened in Israel, typifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And why was the serpent lifted up? Because of sin. Because of sin. And so tonight I want us to consider sin, the reason Christ was lifted up. The reason Christ was lifted up. I'm moving into Numbers chapter 21. We see the wicked effect of sin upon mankind. The wicked effect of sin upon mankind. There are a number of things we see here that typify to us what sin is, what sin does to individuals. And I want to focus our attention on this illustration that the Savior gives to Nicodemus. And firstly, we see in this wicked effect of sin upon mankind, they despised God's way. Sin is something that uh, we find within ourselves because of man's fall. We are born in sin and we are shaped in iniquity. We sin because we are sinners. We sin and commit trespasses against God because we are born in sin. And sin affects us in that, that sin that we have causes us to sin. Causes us to trespass against the God of heaven. And so, because they were sinners, they despised God's way. They despised God's way. We see that in verse 5. And the people speak against God and against Moses, wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, neither is there any water. They here were favoring their own way. They desired their own path. The Lord's way for them was too tough and too difficult and too hard. God had delivered them and God had saved them. And God had performed miracles for them that they had witnessed. But it came to the point that they were so discouraged in the way. And they allowed themselves to be discouraged that they spake against God. They favored their own way. They were the leaders. They would not have brought themselves into the wilderness. They were the leaders. They would not have took the route that God had directed them to take. We're reminded in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned to our own ways. And scripture speaks about man despising God's way and favoring his own way. We see that in this world. Man favors his own way. Do you favor your own way tonight? When you hear the word of God preached, when you hear the word of God standing out against your sin, whether you profess to be saved or not, the word of God stands out against your sin. Do you desire your own way? Do you favor your own way? Oh, this sin I want to enjoy. This sin I want to indulge in. God says no, but God's way is difficult and God's way is hard and I don't desire this way at all. I can keep my sin and I can indulge in that sin. Oh, we can favor our own way. We've turned to our own way. Sin makes us desire that sinful way of ourselves. But we see that they also falsified God's way. Notice what they say here. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt? 
To go into the promised land. No. To die in the wilderness. Why did God bring them out of Egypt? To go into the promised land. To bring his people into the land that he had given them. And what are they saying? Lord, you've brought us into this wilderness to die. You've lied to us. You've deceived us. You've told us something that is untrue. You're to bring us into that land flowing with milk and honey. But we're in a wilderness. And we're going to die despite the miracles. Despite seeing the pillar of cloud and fire. Despite the Red Sea opening and walking through it to the other side. They said, Lord, you've brought us here to die. They directly challenged God's truth in saying that he was bringing them into the promised land. They were falsifying God's way. They were making him out to be a liar. No life. No life. No loaves. No liquid. To use a bit of alliteration here in verse 5. No life. No loaves and no liquid. That was the accusation against God. No water, no bread, no life. They were going to die. And these accusations still hold true today. There are those who say that God's way is boring, that it is dead, that it is, has no life, that we do not need the way of God. But yet, God's way is the way of life. Egypt was the place of sin. It was the place of death. The way of the gospel is the way of life. They said there were no bread, no bread. And that was a lie. There was manna provided by God. He provided for his people. And they say as well here, there was no water. No water. But God had also provided water miraculously for them. Evil ignores the truth. The sinful heart ignores the truth. It ignores the truth. What about your sinful heart? Is your sinful heart ignoring the truth of the gospel? Is your sinful heart telling you that you don't need to be saved? That God is a God of love, as men say, and therefore you'll be in heaven regardless. You're not a criminal. You're not in the prisons of this land. You've not committed great sins like taking the life of others. And therefore Satan and your sinful flesh says all will be well whether you have Christ or not, because you're a good person. But it ignores the facts. Wickedness and evil and Satan and our sin ignore the facts. God says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And there's a great warning here that sin and our sinful lifestyle, our sinful thoughts, the influence of Satan can influence us against the truth of God. We don't see sin as it is. We don't see sin as that great wickedness. We think sin is a blessing when it is actually a curse. Oh, that we would see things in the right way. They falsified God's way, but they also despised the word of God. They despised the word of God. They loatheth this light bread. That light bread being the manna that was sent from heaven. That manna God provided for his people. And the manna of heaven, it speaks of the word of God. It speaks of the word of God. It reminds us of the scriptures. They detested this diet of manna 
And so the flesh does not like that continuous diet of the Word of God. They want other things. They desire entertainment. They desire things that are not focused upon the Word of God. We see that in churches today. There's a focus upon entertainment, upon singing, not merely the praise of God in worship, but entertaining singing. That's not something that's going to happen here because I don't think my singing could ever be entertaining. We would have to look at that if we were going to go down that route. But we sing to praise God. We do not sing to entertain ourselves. We sing to praise and worship the God of heaven. That is why we sing. If we hit a few wrong notes, what about our hearts? We're praising God. We're worshiping Him. Those few wrong notes, reality, it doesn't matter. It's our heart. Is that praise coming from a heart that is rejoicing and praising the God of heaven? If we were here entertaining and trying to draw people in because of singing and praise and entertainment in that way, then a few wrong notes will definitely matter. It's not going to look good. We should desire to hit the right notes, of course, but sometimes we can struggle. I can struggle. But is that praise the praise of the heart? And you see, the Word of God has been set aside. It's been set aside by this world. It's been set aside by individuals. Dear believer, has God's Word been set aside by you? Maybe not intentionally. But it has. We are to love the word. We're not to loathe that which God has provided for our sustenance. The Israelites despised this manna. They despised this manna. They despised the workers of God as well. This people speak against God, but they also speak against Moses. You can be sure that those who speak against God and his way and his word, they will speak against those that serve the Lord. And Moses who had led them, Moses who had guided them, they spoke against him. And they criticized him. He who followed the command of God, he who was working with God to let them die in the wilderness... Oh, what sin we have here, sinful and wicked heart, a heart that is not trusting the Lord, a heart that is not fixed on Him, a heart that is looking on circumstances. There's a lesson for us as God's people. Their hearts looked upon their circumstances, wilderness and desert, and not an abundance of food like they had in Egypt. And they began to murmur and complain and speak against the God of heaven. Dear believer, never do that. Never criticize God. Never speak against him. He is in control. His ways. His ways have a purpose. His thoughts, his ways are above our thoughts. Let us trust the God who is in control. But we see the effect here of sin within the lives of individuals. Within the lives of these people. And this reminds us. Of the great reason that Christ was lifted up. Because God is despised. 
Because his word is despised. Because his servants, his workers are despised. And we see something of that uh, when King Zedekiah was upon the throne. Jeremiah came. In the book of Second Chronicles, Jeremiah came with the word of God. And the prophets of God came with the word of God, speaking against that king's sin. And they despised those prophets and they mocked those prophets. They mocked God and despised God and they mocked his prophets. Oh, we should not mock and despise the true servants of God who have his word. We should desire God to speak to us. We should listen to the Lord. We have the wicked effect of sin upon mankind. And of course, that wicked effect of sin, it leads into the unavoidable curse of sin upon mankind. And I say that word unavoidable because outside of Christ, outside of the gospel, it is unavoidable. Sin in our lives, sin that has not been repented of, Outside of the gospel of Christ, that curse that comes upon mankind is unavoidable. Why? Because sin brings consequences. Our sin, our iniquity, it brings consequences. James 1 verse 15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. There's temptation, there's lust. It comes to fruition. It then brings forth sin. And there's sin within the life and sin when it comes to fruition. When it is finished, James says, it bringeth forth death. The wages of sin. The wages of sin in this world might be hundreds, thousands of dollars, millions of dollars that you may get for indulging or promoting sin. But spiritually speaking, the wages of sin is death, eternal death. The pleasures of sin, the joy of sin, the proceeds of sin, the gain of sin, last but for a season. The wages of sin is death. And that is a curse upon mankind because it is unavoidable. We live we die, if we die outside of Christ, if we die rejecting the gospel of Christ, it is unavoidable. There is an unavoidable curse upon mankind. Sin brings discomfort. It brings discomfort. The snakes bit the people. We see that in Numbers chapter 21. There is nothing pleasant about being bitten. Nothing pleasant about being bitten. Maybe we've been bitten. Maybe we've been bitten by an animal. Maybe we've been bitten by a cat. Maybe we've been bitten by another human. Maybe playing around as children and we bit somebody or they bit us before we realize that we're not ready to go around biting each other. But when we think of the snake, we don't want the snake to bite us. When I was in Australia... We had, there are some of the most poisonous snakes in the world. So the snake that I came into close contact with was one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. There were other snakes that were alive. 
and able and willing to bite. It would be a painful thing. A painful thing. The serpent's bite brings a sharp, stinging pain. And this illustrates the pain of sin. Sin is advertised as, as pleasure. As pleasure. But the pleasure of sin, as we've said, is short. Sin uh, brings trouble. When we look at this world, sin brings trouble to families. Brings trouble to your life. Sin brings defilement. We find that much of the people of Israel died. Why did they die? Because these snakes were poisonous. The venom went through the body. And that venom poisoned and corrupted them. And the same is true with sin. Sin is a poison that has been passed down through mankind. Sin is a poison that poisons and corrupts and pollutes and defiles Filthy minds and mouths and morals. A lifestyle that is wicked as we see in Romans 3. We see the pollution of mankind. The pollution of sin. Sin brings defilement. Sin also brings death. We find that much people of Israel died. There's an illustration here regarding sin. Sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The first death, which is the separation of the soul and the body. The second death, which is the worst death of all. The death of the soul. That separation from God in eternal fire and hell forever. Sin does not bring life. Those who indulge in sin, thinking that it brings life, are widely, widely wrong. Sin brings death. Just like the bite of the snake brings death. And sin, if you do not trust Christ as Savior, if you live on in your sin, sin will bring you death. A few weeks before I went to Australia, almost nine years ago, I'd heard when I arrived, it might have been after I was there for a little while, was a man who was traveling cross-country. And cross-country did not mean going down the number one highway to Calgary. Cross-country meant that our equivalent would be taking a 4 by 4 vehicle and driving up and down the Rockies ourselves on some track that very few people know about. Uh, an unpaved track, a dirt track in the middle of nowhere. It was quicker to get from A to B. Uh, but you're really in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And so he was off the main road and he was driving on this track and his vehicle broke down. It could not be fixed. He was stranded. And he realized that, well, there's no cell signal out there. He had to wait till somebody came. And that could be a while. And so he went to get sticks and create a bit of a fire to keep warm and a snake bit him. And he knew instantly, as soon as he was bitten, he was going to die. A miracle might save him if someone came by. But there was no way he could be cured. There's no anti-venom that he had access to. Hundreds and hundreds of kilometers from civilization. Nothing he could do but sit and wait to die. 
How dreadful that must have been. They left a note, so that's why we know what happened. It made the news. But the same thing is true of those who are in their sin. They've been bitten. The poison of sin is within their body and within their veins and within their life. You tonight who are in your sin, that sin, that poison that corrupts is within you. There's nothing that you can do. Nothing that you can do yourself to change that situation bar the miracle of someone stepping into your life to save you. You just sit and wait and live out your life to the very end because there's nothing you can do. And the curse of sin is unavoidable. Unavoidable. And I've often thought about that man sitting there and this illustration about sin and the sinner just waiting to die, waiting to go into God's eternity, waiting to be judged because there's nothing that can be done with that poison of sin in and of ourselves. But yet, what does the Savior tell us? He says about Moses lifting up that serpent, he says that the Son of Man will be lifted up. What do we see in Numbers 21? We see that God said, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. We see the glorious expiation of sin for mankind, the forgiveness of sin, the removing of sin. That's what that word expiation means. The glorious expiation of sin for mankind. It's illustrated here. And the Lord said to Moses to make this fiery serpent. It was God's plan. It was God's way of salvation. And we can only be saved through God's way of salvation. That was a very simple thought when we consider the gospel. But we who have sinned can only be saved on God's terms. Not our terms, but God's terms. The children of Israel here could not be delivered unless they obeyed God. And we see here the mercy and the grace of God. It abounded toward his people. It abounded as they were delivered. If they looked to this serpent, they would be saved. And there is mercy and grace because God has provided a way of salvation. The poison of sin is within us and it cannot be removed, but God had mercy. And the Savior is referring Nicodemus right back to this. This is a situation that the children of Israel could not fix themselves. God had mercy. God had grace. God had provided the way of salvation. And the Son of Man will be lifted up just like that serpent, providing the way of God's salvation. We see the simplicity of salvation here. These Israelites, they did not have to go and sign up for a health care card. All the various paperwork we may have to do today. They did not have to go and visit their doctor and get a diagnosis and have test after test after test. They knew what was wrong because of the snake. And all they had to do was look at that brazen serpent and live. It was simple. Simple. You see, the message of the gospel is a simple message. Look and live. Look to Christ. Look to Christ in repentance and in faith. Believe upon him. You don't need paperwork. 
You don't need to fill in the forms. You don't need to pay money to receive that life-giving spiritual life offered by the Savior. Look and live. My brother lived. This was a strange plan for bringing about a cure, we could say. Just look at this brazen serpent. Just look and live. And the gospel plan seems strange to the world today. Simply believing in Christ, simply placing your faith in Christ. Oh, it's strange. It is to the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. Why? Man thinks he has a better way. Man thinks that he can achieve salvation in his own way. But this remedy was God's plan. It sets forth Christ's own estate of humiliation. This is a strange way. And Christ, the Son of God, humbled himself, humiliated himself to become man, to die for us. The brazen serpent had the form and the shape of the serpent that caused the sting of death. And when we think of the Savior, he had the form and shape of us. He had our likeness. He took upon himself that human body. But yet, he was the divine, incarnate, pure Son of God. No spot, no stain of sin. And he died for his people. Oh, this may be strange to the world, but it's God's way of salvation. And dear believer, do not get sucked into other ways of salvation. Dear unbeliever, don't get sucked into other ways of salvation. There is one way, the way that God has said in his word. Repent and believe the gospel. Look upon Christ and live. It's very simple. It's very simple. But it is the only way. We see the sufficiency of this also. Because we see that those who looked, those who lived, and they were cured, they were healed. And so it is true of Christ. If you look to the Savior, if you turn to him, you'll be saved. You'll be redeemed. Your soul will be changed. There is that sufficient salvation. Not a salvation you have to work at. Turn favor with God. Christ does not save you up to 50% and then you have to add to that. He saves you completely. He justifies you completely. Martin Luther, as we may see next week when we think of the Reformation, Martin Luther engaged in all the great works the church had set forth, his penances and his pilgrimages and trying to earn favor with God and he had no peace. Why? Because those things don't bring peace. And he read those words, the, ju the just shall live by faith. He realized it's by faith in Christ. And he believed. He believed it's not through works. And he received a sufficient salvation. He believed he was saved. He didn't need to earn his salvation. He could believe and trust in Christ alone. There was only one pole and one serpent. There's not a dozen poles and serpents across the camp. There was one. I should put my hand down. There's one, not two. There's one, one. And the same is true when we think of the Savior. One Savior. One Son of Man lifted up. One Son of Man who died for sin. And the gospel is centered around 
the Savior, the one who was perfect, the one who was made a curse for us, the one in whom we have eternal life. Oh, there's a great encouragement here when we look at this great example that points us to Christ. Even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Thomas Manton the Puritan said, in regard to encouraging our faith, he said to brokenhearted sinners, if you were stung with sin, you may look to Christ. You may look to Christ. Oh, he believed that that look at Christ is sufficient to save. And tonight, it is true. That look at the Savior, that look at Christ is sufficient to save you and to save your soul. Will you look tonight? Dear believer, will you rejoice that Christ was lifted up, that Christ died so that you could be saved, that you could be redeemed? Oh, that as we consider this and consider sin being the reason that Christ was lifted up, we rejoice in the removal of our sins, but we would, as we saw this morning and last week, pray for those who need to look upon Christ. Seek to point those to Christ. Seek to desire the gospel to work within their lives and their hearts. Oh, when we look at sin and the cause of sin. May we be thankful for what Christ has done for us, but may we be mindful there are others that need this Savior. Others who were the same as us. Dead, poisoned through their veins. The poison of sin, but yet we looked and lived. May they look and live. May we desire to point others to the Savior because Christ delivered us in such a wondrous way. May the Lord bless his word tonight for his name's sake. Amen. And let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee tonight for thy truth. We pray that thou would bless it to us, that thou would teach us in thy ways. May we as thy people, when we think upon sin being the reason that Christ was lifted up, O oh God, we cry to thee that we would have that heart for those who are in their sins but desire that they would turn from sin and live for the Savior. We pray for those, Father, outside of Christ, that they would see that the Savior died to redeem sinners, that he died to redeem the lost, and we pray that they would look and live. They would look in faith and repentance and know the sufficiency of Christ's so great salvation. Father, work in our midst, we pray. Bless us this week. Give us help and health and strength to serve thee. And may we glorify thy name in all that we do. May the love of God our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of God the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.